But let's look into God's word together. How about that? I mean, you came to church after all. We got to look into God's word. There are some churches that don't do that. Crazy, huh? I don't know what they get together for, but they don't get into God's word together. So we're going to get into God's word. We are studying uh, the book of First Corinthians. We have titled today's message, The Cross is the Cure. So we'll get to why that is in a moment. As of late, actually starting late last summer, my doctor uh, wanted me to start checking my blood pressure every day. And so I had to get set up at home with like a little machine that measures your blood pressure. Any of you had to do that? It's real fun. Um, and then you got to write down the numbers, you know. Uh, it was no big deal, really. Um, he decided that after my last physical, which was late last summer, um, I didn't have a healthy level for my blood pressure. Uh, and he thought that maybe in the office I had something called white coat syndrome, which is like when you see someone in a white coat, you get scared and your blood pressure goes up. Didn't know it was a thing, but he said it was. So he said, maybe at home, in your comfort of your own home, you'll be okay and you know, we'll, we'll check that. Uh, that didn't that wasn't the problem, that there wasn't the solution, but um, at least it was a, a theory that he had at first. Um, so anyway, um, because my doctor's not a quack, he's actually very respected in his field, he's been my doctor for almost 40 years, uh, I know that he cares about me. He's proven to be very knowledgeable. Haven't ever had a problem where I'm like, wow, he made a big mistake. You know, I, I feel like every time that I've followed his advice, it has worked out for my benefit and for the benefit of my family. So I trust him. I trust him to sort of look at my life, to diagnose it, to to treat it, to come up with some type of treatment, to tell me the truth when he needs to tell me the truth. Like, it's time to lose some weight, Tom. You know, time to cut down on all those crackers and all the the yummy stuff with the cholesterol in it, you know. Uh, Cut down on that, you know. And I trust him. He tells me the truth. He's honest with me. And his goal is the same as my goal. To live a healthy life. I want to live a healthy life. I don't want to be sick all the time. I don't want to be, you know, barely dragging myself to work every day, trying to get through each day. I want to be able to be healthy. And it's interesting because as I begin to think about the book of 1 Corinthians, it made me think about my doctor. Because God cares about us. Paul cared about the church. And they trusted him to give them good advice to help them to live healthy spiritual lives. So the reason I'm telling you all this is because I actually believe that the Apostle Paul loved the church in Corinth. He said it several times. He wasn't out there to criticize them. He wasn't out there to point out their faults. He wasn't out there to discourage them in their walk. He was trying to help them to walk in health and in wholeness and in the fullness of that abundant life that Jesus came to give us. He wants what's best for them because God wants what's best for them. Just as I want what's best for you as a pastor. Not out to criticize you, not out to point out all your faults. We all have them. I'm out to encourage you and to help you to live a healthy life. So I think that God sort of put the church in Corinth into, into like a checkup with Paul. Paul could be like a doctor here, and, and the church needed a checkup. It needed to, to go in and sort of be examined to see if there was anything off kilter or, or anything that was not healthy going on in their lives. 
Now, to check on your physical health, the doctor tests out your vital signs. This is a sermon that I should have had Dr. Rick preach, but I'm going to do my best, Rick. Sorry if I, I don't give you, you know, if I don't do it all right, but I'm going to do my best. I didn't go to medical school like Dr. Rick did. Anyway, um, the doctor, he, he, looks for, he looks at your vital signs. He looks for your fitness level, right? To see if, you know, you, you, you can move your body and appropriately for your age and your stage of life. He looks at things like your heart rate and your blood pressure and your temperature and your blood sugar, all of these levels, they're looked at to see if they're within the healthy range, right? There's usually a range between this and this, between this and this. You all know what I'm talking about. Y'all been to the doctor. Every now and then they say, ooh, we need to talk about, you know, blood pressure or sugar levels or this or that or the other thing. Now, if things are out of whack, as I say, if things are not within the, the, the healthy levels, the doctor diagnoses that and prescribes something, some kind of treatment. Treatment might be a diet or exercise. The treatment might be a pill. It might be going to physical therapy and having someone stretch your arm back a lot of times and get you to build some strength, right? So he'll prescribe something to you. Why? To hurt you? To discourage you? To make you mad? No. To help you to live a more healthy life. To bring health back to your body. So that whatever those levels are, whatever those things that aren't working right, begin to work right again. That's his goal. Otherwise, he shouldn't have taken the Hippocratic Oath, right? He shouldn't have taken that oath. He's he's there to help you, not to hurt you. So these things that we read about in the book of 1 Corinthians are prescribed for that same reason. So that the church could regain its health. So that the church could be a spiritually healthy place for people to grow. Not a place to discourage, not a place to judge, not a place to hurt, but a place to heal. That is the church of Jesus Christ. So 1 Corinthians, let's turn to it. It's in your Bibles. Now you might want to look on your phone if you don't have a Bible, but there's Bibles in the pew as well. 1 Corinthians, if you you turn to the pew Bible, it's going to be on page 1011. All right, so let's turn to that page. We've been looking at it the last few weeks. Pastor Jonathan's been preaching to us about the first nine verses. You'll remember that the city of Corinth was a very unhealthy place. Now, I say that because it was spiritually unhealthy. I don't know about the physical health of these people, but I know that their lifestyle made them unhealthy spiritually. Just as anyone without God is going to live an unhealthy spiritual life. The Apostle Paul had been there, and now he had left. He had been there for several months, and he had helped set up a new Christian community that was to be there to bring life and to bring hope and to bring healing to that community in Corinth. But he'd been hearing through the grapevine that there were some unhealthy things now happening within the church within the body of Christ in Corinth. And as we read through this letter, we can see that like a good doctor, Paul is diagnosing some problems 
and then prescribing some things which will bring health back to the church, which will bring wholeness back to the brokenness, which will help those who are hurting to find healing. That's what the church is for. So this is actually quite urgent in the health crisis that the church is going through. Because Jesus had given everything necessary so that his healing message could be carried on through the body, but also to the rest of the world. Jesus came to heal the world of sin. Do you know that? He came to to bring hope, to bring healing, to bring wholeness to all the brokenness and disease and destruction that sin had caused. And Jesus had started right. He had done it perfectly. And then he called his disciples to follow in that example and to set up communities of people who also would follow in that example. Now, would we do it perfectly? No. But would we have a goal and a standard in which to live by so that we would know the direction to go and the decisions to make so that we could live lives that were abundant and free, not lives that were full of sickness and disease, spiritual I'm talking about spiritual things. So as we learned in our study of the book of Acts, we are called and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God himself to be witnesses, to testify to the world about the goodness of God, the God that brought healing to us, the God that restored us when we were so broken and so far from him, the God that reached us and brought us to himself in that mercy, in that love. That's the message that we have, and we're to bring that testimony to the world. This is a super important message because if the family of God that Jesus began with his disciples and now has spread through the spreading of the word of God, if that family gets sick and dies, where is the hope for the world? See, the church is carrying on the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus has ascended. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And he has asked us to bring the gospel, to bring the good news of his healing, of his forgiveness, of his grace to the world. But if we're so sick and weak and pathetic that we can't carry it out, that's a serious problem. That's why Paul addresses these problems seriously. Not just because he cares about those individuals and their individual lives, which he does, But he cares about the overall mission of the church to reach the world with the good news of the gospel. Not with judgment, not with criticism, not with let me point out your faults, let me tell you all the things you're doing wrong. That's not the good news. The good news is someone came and did it all right for you and offers to pay the price you could never pay for you and to bring life and hope and peace and healing into your life which you have tried every other way to get and you can't ever get it. That's the good news. So it's the testimony of the power of God and the power of Christ through his cross that the church is told to carry out. And I want you to think about this for a moment. In these first nine verses, he called us saints. He said we were called to be saints Pastor Jonathan preached about this. He has given us grace. He's poured it out. He's enriched our lives so that we could live as witnesses for Jesus Christ. 
that we could live lives that, that shine for Jesus. He'd given us all of that. He gave us, it's almost like Jesus came, defeated sin and death, and then as we were born again of the Spirit, he changed our DNA. So the things that were in our old fleshly DNA no longer affect us because we now have the DNA of Jesus, the Spirit of God living within us, who can change us. So what if you were a rotten scoundrel before? Jesus has come, and he went to the cross for you, and he took all that rottenness for you to the cross. And you can have a whole new beginning. You can start all over again as a new creation in Christ. The old has gone, but the new has come. That's the process of transformation that each of us are in. If we know Christ, if we are following Christ, if we are living for him, He created a new family and gave it a new DNA. And the family is a family of love. It's a family of joy. It's a family of peace. It's a family of forgiveness, of hope, of goodness. It's a different kind of family. It's the kind of family that the rest of the world is looking for and has never found yet. It's the kind of family that they weren't born into and neither were we. We had to find it through being born again of the Spirit. But there's a new family on earth. And Jesus started it, and the Holy Spirit has continued it. And Paul's concern, which you'll see in in verse 17, Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, this good news, not with eloquent wisdom. And here's why. So that, let's read those words together. The cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. In other words, that the cross of Christ won't lose its power. Because it's all about the cross. It's all about what Jesus did for us. This is a super important message because there's a new family. And the cross of Jesus Christ has made us in his image. Has helped us to follow in. To his image, to be transformed from sinners to saints, from hopeless to hopeful. He's taken away our sins, the sickness that our sin was to us. He has healed us and is making us more and more like Jesus. This is our faith, this is our hope, because wholeness is a gift from God, and the gift comes through Jesus Christ. And Jesus brought it to us through the cross and the resurrection. The whole world is longing to be made whole again. How do I know this? Because everyone's crazy about health and fitness and miracles and and getting better and living longer and having all their problems taken away. They sell these miracle pills, we'll call them. Everything you have is like a miracle pill, right? It's going to make all your problems go away. That's the message of the world. That's the message that sometimes we fall for, even ourselves, even those who know Jesus. We all want our problems taken away. We all want our sicknesses gone. This is because God has planted heaven in our hearts. You are seeking heaven. You are longing for heaven. You are longing to live in a place where there's no more sorrow, there's no more tears, there's no more sadness, 
there's no more sin. That's what you long for, but everyone who's created in the image of God, which is every human being, also is longing for that. They're looking for that. They're looking in all the wrong places sometimes, but they're looking for that. Trillions and trillions of dollars are spent on pills and therapies and gyms and yoga studios and everything else that promises you peace, promises you health, promises you wholeness, but they're all going to fail to keep their promise. Because guess what? This life is not your whole life. This life is like this little sliver of life at the beginning, which leads to eternal life. And you can have eternal life in wholeness or eternal life in darkness. That is your choice. And so the message of the gospel is that Jesus has come to give you eternal life in wholeness with all your disease is gone, with all your sin gone, with all your sickness is gone. This is what we believe. This is our faith, our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about physical things necessarily, although they are part of all of this. I'm talking about the spiritual sickness. I'm talking about the the spiritual false teachers and false promises. Because think about it for a minute. No one wants to be sick If you actually want to be sick, you're sick in a different way, the kind that's in your head, right? So no one wants to be sick, right? I'll raise your hand. None of us want to be sick, right? No. We want to be well. We want to be whole. Like I said, it's planted within us. When we're truly sick, we don't feel good. We're weak. We're broken. We can barely get out of bed. We can't function normally. We can't eat right. We don't sleep right. There's nothing enjoyable about life when you're sick. It's hard to enjoy life when you're sick. And that's just physical sickness. There's all kinds of sicknesses, right? Relational, emotional, mental, physical, any kind of old you can think of. But God has come to bring healing to it all eventually. To bring wholeness to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the only whole person that ever lived on the earth. Because sin did not affect him. He did not inherit the gene of sin. His DNA did not include sin. And so he got to live in that beautiful place that one day we will enter. One day we will inherit. We inherit through him the fullness and the wholeness of God. So... We're talking about more than serious illness or spiritual illness or even relational illness. We're talking about more than just you as an individual. We're talking about the church of Jesus Christ because the church of Jesus Christ in Corinth was spiritually sick and it was affecting their relationship so we could say it was relationally sick as well. What kind of testimony to the power of Jesus and his cross is that? As you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, which we're encouraging you to, use it at home, use it in your Bible studies, read through it, read through it again. We'll be in it for months, so you don't have to rush, but read through it. You'll see there's a number of 
sicknesses going on, a number of things that aren't right, that are not the way it's supposed to be in Christ. Because in Christ, we're called to wholeness, to fullness, to unity. 1 Corinthians 1 through 9 just told the believers that they were called by God. They were enriched by God. They're given everything they need to live lives which draw themselves and other people to knowing Jesus more, that attract to Jesus. It's not just about you. It's about him. Our spiritual health has a direct effect on our calling to be witnesses to Christ in this world. Church, if we're spiritually unhealthy, it's not attractive to the world. Jesus is attractive to the world because he's always loving. He's always patient. He's always kind. He's always forgiving. There's no flaws within him. So Jesus is attractive, but if we're not projecting the image of Jesus into the world, his image is is marred. It's, it's, It's scarred. It's broken. And when we as a church are given the responsibility of carrying the message of Jesus into the world, if we carry it in that ugly, broken, weak, pathetic body, if you invite someone to come to church, why would they come? Come to church. We're all miserable there. We're all sick, (laughs) and we're weak, and we're like confused, and we don't know what life is all about, and we're just complaining about everything, and come to church. Come to join us. Misery loves company. Do you see what I'm saying? This is why it's so important to listen to God's word and to look for the cure that Christ has come to bring us. Because we are all pretty pathetic without him. Without him, we're complainers and grumblers. You know, we talked about that last week. We're we're not in good shape without him. But with him, we are being made new each day. His mercies are new on us. and, And as we fill up on him, he will wash out some of the stuff that doesn't belong and put in place the things that do belong. And the reason this is so important is not just because of you as an individual. We're, we're very American in that way. We like to say, well, what's in it for me? You know, it's about me anyway, right? Like, bottom line is me. It's just, you know, how is this going to help me? How does going to church help me? You know. Uh, I'm the same way. So I look in the mirror and do that, you know, as well. Uh, it's not good. You know, this is the thing we have to keep bringing before God and submitting before God. God, change me. Make me new. Take that out of me. I don't want to be that selfish person that I keep looking at in the mirror. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to lay down my life for others. I don't want to just be about my life. That's what we have to fight within ourselves. You see, our job as witnesses of Jesus Christ, is to point people to Jesus, not to point people to ourselves. We point people to Jesus because we're not perfect, but he is. 
He's the perfect person. He's the risen Savior. He's the one who we put our hope in. So my question is this. Are we sharing the power of the cross of Jesus Christ with the people around us? The power of the cross of Jesus Christ is the power to give you joy in yucky circumstances. The power to give you strength when you feel weak. The power to help you to be released from shame and be put in a place of receptive relationship with God where you receive his love. You don't reject his love. You see... Which would you rather be around? Let's think about this even in light of recent pandemic. Who would you rather be around? Healthy people or unhealthy people? When we're around unhealthy people, we put on a mask and we keep our six feet of distance and we, right? Because we don't want it to rub off. But health can rub off on us. See, Jesus is the only person who could touch a leper. Because if you or I touched a leper in our own strength, the leprosy would jump on us. And then we would have leprosy. That's why they kept all the distance from the lepers, right? Like, oh no, oh no, this is a leper. We gotta run, go the other way. Leper, stay over there, stay away. I don't wanna get sick because you've got leprosy and I will catch it. Jesus went to the leper. Jesus, when the lepers came, he's like, not a problem here. Let my health, my wholeness, touch you and bring health and wholeness. That is the direction of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. From God, through the cross to you and to me, into a sick and dying world, health can come. Sometimes we don't believe that. Sometimes we struggle to believe that. But it's true. According to the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's true. And so if we come telling people that there's a new way of living, there's a way of peace, there's a way of joy, there's a way of meaning, there's a way of purpose, there's a way of wholeness, there's a way that washes away your shame, it washes away your guilt, there's actually a new family that you can join, and that family loves you for who you are. That family will serve you when you need to be served. That family will appreciate your gifts when you come to bring them and offer them to that family. That family will show you grace and mercy when you mess up, because you will, and we do. There is a loving God who started a new life through his son, Jesus Christ. And that way is called the way. In fact, it was called the way for a while in the book of Acts. If you remember, we studied that. That way is the way of Jesus. It's the way to wholeness. It's the way called the church now, the church of Jesus Christ. When Christ is the head and we all as the body line up as our important parts and do what we're supposed to do, That community is the healthiest community on earth. That family is the healthiest family on earth. And their health spreads like a disease. Because when they come into contact with the sick, sick in spirit, the sick are healed. The sick are restored. The sick are brought to God. And God fills them up with a whole new life and starts their whole life over again in his new family. 
So even though the city of Corinth was wealthy and life there was some big party all the time, it was sick and dying. And Jesus went to the cross for the people of Corinth. It's like our cities and towns and neighborhoods. They might look healthy and wealthy on the outside, but they're sick and dying if they don't know Jesus. They've got the disease. It's people as well as our people. We're enslaved with materialism, competition with each other, selfishness, jealousy, hatred, sexual immorality, basically brokenness everywhere. And according to God's calling, it was into this environment that the gospel of Jesus Christ was born. Paul came with the message. Those who heard the message and responded formed a church. That church had now been functioning for quite a while within Corinth, an unhealthy environment, but they were functioning in Christ, so they were healthy. And what had begun to happen, the tragedy that had begun to take place, is that the city of Corinth was salting the church instead of the church salting the city of Corinth. Now, remember, we studied salt and light. Jesus said we were like the salt to the earth or the light to the world because we were going to bring him into those situations and change the flavor, change the atmosphere so that the Spirit of God could have his way. And the unhealthy living in the city of Corinth was now permeating the body of Christ. And this is an emergency situation, an emergency room situation. Something had to be done. And so God had equipped Paul to bring the message. Now, what was happening, it was almost like evangelism in reverse. So the the body of Christ, which had been formed around the gospel of Jesus Christ, which Paul had preached to them and they had received and the spirit had brought new life to them and they informed a new community and that community was the, the family of God in Corinth, was now getting sick. Instead of them making Corinth healthy, Corinth was making them unhealthy. And this is a sober message for us. You always try to keep things light when you're the speaker, you know, like, let's keep it light and happy. This is actually a little scary for me as I study this. I'm like, oh, God, I don't know that I want to look that closely at that because it'll make me look that closely at me and at us as a church. Is the society around us, which is sick, sick, sick making us sick? Have we taken on some of the characteristics of that sickness? Now, some of you would say, oh, that's not possible. We have Jesus. Well, Corinth had Jesus too. Well, we know the Lord. We've given our lives to him. Corinth did too. We teach the word of God. Corinth did too. We sing some songs of worship. Corinth did too. But somehow these these things were permeating the body of Christ. The Christians there were becoming more worldly, more indulgent, more selfish, more contentious, more vengeful, more pride, 
was seeping in because they were compromising with Corinth. And just about every characteristic that the city of Corinth had was being picked up by the church. And if you brought a visitor to the church in Corinth, that visitor would say, this place ain't no different than out there. What's the big deal? You say it's a new life, it looks just like the old life. Oh, God, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Convict us by your spirit. First Corinthians was written to restore spiritual health to the church. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe that as we study it, God wants to restore spiritual health to us as well. You see, Paul was used by God to bring them back to living Jesus' way, to living according to Jesus' culture. They were supposed to be the Jesus people, not the Corinth people who knew a little bit about Jesus. They were to be the Jesus people, Jesus' family, Jesus' relationships, Jesus' joy, Jesus' peace. Now, when you read through the Corinthians, you realize there's some strong medicine here. Paul is firm. Paul is straightforward. He's kind of like your doctor who shakes a finger and says, no more donuts. Right? He says that not because he's mad at you, but because he loves you. He doesn't want all your arteries to be clogged. Right? He loves you. I want you to know God loves you. God's speaking love through this book. I have proof in black and white. Take your little Bibles there. Flip to chapter 13. Now, if you don't know chapter 13, you haven't been to many weddings. Because for some reason... Brides and grooms like this chapter. This chapter was not written to brides and grooms. I mean, unless they were just part of the church. This chapter was written to the church in Corinth. This chapter was written to us. Because the secret to remaining in the Jesus way is remaining in his love. And not just his love for us, but his love for the whole world. And not just love in sort of an ethereal way, in a general way, sort of love, you know, love. It's like puppy dogs and butterflies, love, love. No, 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 no. Love through the cross of Jesus Christ. That kind of love. The kind of love that lays down its life so you could have life. Nobody loves you like that. Nobody loves you like Jesus. And when you live in the reality of that love, when you remember the reality of that love, when you remember that you were a stinking sick sinner like everyone else, and then you go into the world with that kind of love, and you bring that to those stinking sick sinners because of the love of God that flowed for you, you're not judging them. You're weeping over them. You're weeping because they don't know the love of God yet. And you haven't shown them the love of God yet, but you're going to. Because the Spirit of God within you is going to help you. Listen to these words. If I speak 
human or angelic tongues and do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can even move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, to be a martyr, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now I'm going to editorialize a little bit this next section. I want you to hear this from the heart of God about his church. My church is patient. My church is kind. My church does not envy or boast, is not arrogant, is never rude. My church is not self-seeking. My church is not irritable. My church never keeps record of wrongs. My church finds no joy in unrighteousness, but always rejoices in the truth. My church bears all things. My church believes all things. My church hopes all things. My church endures all things. My church never ends. That doesn't mean service never ends. We will end in just a few minutes. But I want you to catch the heart of God in this message before we go any deeper. Because what had been happening, what Paul had heard was so disturbing to him because the church was dividing into separate groups. If you look back at the passage in chapter 1, you see that what was happening is that some of them were saying, well, we like Apollos better than Paul. And some were saying, well, we like Paul better than Apollos and some were saying, well, he baptized us, and you got baptized by some nobody. And so, you know, just, just ridiculous rivalry and, and division and like, oh, we like this, but we don't like that. And because you like that, we don't like you. And it was just breaking apart, like this pot in the picture. Breaking apart. If the church were loving like they had been loved... By Christ, if the church were patient, if the church was kind, if the church kept no record of wrong, there would be no cracks in the church. But the church was shattering right before Paul's eyes. And it hadn't been that long. It's not like it had been, you know, 2,000 years. It had been months since Paul had been there and showed them the true love of God through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to need to skip down a few slides. What happens when the Spirit takes over? So what was happening? What did the cracks look like? Well, they were arguing with each other. They disagreed with each other. They were separating from each other into these little clans or these little cliques. They were then suing one another. They were then divorcing one another. They were offending one another over all kinds of things. They were fighting about the spiritual gifts, the gifts of God they were fighting about, which was more important. I mean, we're going to read all this stuff. It's going to be tough to read, but good for us 
it will make us healthier. I promise you that. Unless you all just leave. You just get in your cars and never come back here. I can't, I can't keep that promise. But if you keep coming and we keep looking into God's word and we keep seeking his face for what it means for us, he will bring truth to us. And the truth will help us to change because that's what the cross of Jesus Christ does. The cross of Jesus Christ changes us. But we got to stay at the cross. We can't be over here doing our thing, over there doing our thing, doing this, doing that. we got to stay at the cross. Because when you stay at the cross, you stay at the mercy of God and the love of God. And when you stay in the flow of the mercy and the love of God, it changes you. And when it changes you, it changes the world around you. Because you're merciful. Because you're loving. Because you're kind. Because you're patient. And I know that's not describing some of you, and sometimes it doesn't describe me at all. But the mercy of God is new every morning. The mercy of God is here for us today. Amen? I want you to look at this, this last verse again with me. I know we didn't look at all the other ones, but it's okay. What it says in verse 17 of chapter 1, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with eloquence, So that the cross of Christ would not be emptied of its effect. Now, when there's a word like effect in there, I want to make sure I understand it because this sounds important. We don't want the cross of Jesus Christ to be emptied of its, some translations say power, and that's good, but power for what? Power to just light up the room? Nope. Power, because this is what effect means, a change which is the result or consequence of an action or other cause. Your life and my life change because of the cross of Jesus Christ, right? The only reason you changed at all, if you have changed at all, in your walk with God, the only reason you're a little more like Jesus now is because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Not because you did a program or you did it right or you're a good person or you go to church more than everybody else. No. The cross of Jesus Christ is the only power of God to save us. And to save us is a process. It's to make us better, to make us more like Jesus, to make us more patient and loving and kind and all those things. When you find any of that in you, it's only because of the cross. It's not because you were good. We don't want the cross of Christ to be emptied of its power. For us, yes, but for the whole world. And I'm afraid that the modern church has failed to keep the message of the cross its only important message. They've gotten distracted and disoriented and divided, and and we too. Christ wants to restore the cross and the power of the cross to this church and to this world for his glory. Amen? God, thank you so much for your word. It is powerful to change us. The cross of Jesus Christ is everything to us. Sometimes we forget that. Oh, God, forgive us. Thank you that your mercy is here for that today. Bring us back to the cross. Help us to see the power of the cross. Help us to celebrate the cross of Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's all about him. 
And so, Lord, change us even now as we sing these words. Change us as we leave this place. Continue your process of change. Let the power of cross have its full effect on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.